and welcome to Connected Conversations for Creatives, a place where creatives like you can learn, grow, and connect. I'm your host, Jennifer Carr. In a world that often tries to box us in with judgments and norms, sometimes we have to be willing to push back and refuse to be defined by or held back from unleashing the creativity flowing through us. But pushing back is not always as easy as it sounds, especially when the voices we're pushing against come from inside our own minds. And sometimes our emotions run high or run away from us altogether. And sometimes our creativity is stifled because we give too much weight to the opinions of others. The good news is you can fight back against these voices and you don't have to do it alone. Today's guest has an incredible journey bridging the worlds of journalism, therapy, creative coaching, and the performing arts. A Pulitzer Prize winning journalist turned licensed marriage and family therapist, she helps creative souls unlock their potential while embracing their sensitivity through workshops and counseling designed specifically for creatives like you. So if you're ready to learn more about creating a community of support and encouragement geared toward those with the heart of an artist, you'll be just as excited as I am to meet Rachel Moore. Welcome to the show, Rachel. Thank you so much, Jennifer. That was a really awesome intro, and um, I appreciate. I can tell you used some wordsmithing uh, with my <laughs> with my information, and it sounds amazing. I was like, "All right, like that was a good edit." So thank you. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I want people to know what they're getting into and who they're about to meet because it excites me as well. You know, when I when I was doing my research, I was like, "This is going to be a really fun conversation because you approach creativity and art from a slightly different." perspective, I think, than a lot of people who, you know, the the creativity coaches out there and that kind of thing. But you also have a deeper background when it comes to therapy, which is a totally different ballgame from just coaching. So I can't wait to get into that. But first, just tell us a little bit about you. Tell us your story. Sure. Okay. Where to start? Um, <laughs> let's, tell the, let's tell the creative story. So, um, well, I was first reading when I was three and then, you know, writing books at five. Now these books like involved, you know, characters made out of feathers and things like that, but sure. <laughs> not too elaborate. Um, and um, then when I was seven, I started playing piano and then I learned about playing classical music and that kind of blew my mind open uh, eight or nine. Um, when I was 11 or 10, I guess, 10 or 11, started playing saxophone. I played alto sax. So I was playing alto sax, playing piano, uh, went into high school and then picked up some auxiliary percussion. So I was playing auxiliary percussion and marching band and saxophone and piano. I had to drop piano at 14 because it was just a lot. That was a lot, a lot. plus <laughs> school. Yeah, <laughs> it was a lot. Um, and then I uh, went to my undergrad and I got my degree in creative writing, uh, focused mostly on poetry. I haven't really done much with poetry except as a newspaper copy editor for 14 years when I was writing mm. headlines every night. And I found that that skill, the skill of writing poetry was extremely helpful because, you know, when you write a headline, you have to find the right words. Mm -hmm. You have to, <laughs> I always had to make sure, because I tend to lean towards, um, I like things that sound good and sound mm -hmm. cool, but I had to make sure they were the right things, you know, <laughs> that I was not just sounding good. Like that's not exactly all we're going for here, but it's nice when you get that as well. Right. Um, so you might guess I'm a fan of puns and such. Uh, we would always, you know, go go on go with those with our headlines. So anyway, um, but I'm I'm losing the thread a little bit because because in college, I also did a lot of uh, work backstage for the theater. I'm not an actor; will never be an actor, so that wasn't my thing. But I did a lot of work backstage, and I also started singing um, in the choir, and um, I hadn't really done that before. 
and that was exciting and somebody said oh you you know in the choir said oh you have a great voice you should try out for like the advanced choir and I went to this audition I have never had a singing lesson in my life I had never auditioned for anything and I completely bombed it because I had no idea what I was doing um and uh you know that, that was okay though because then later in my life um I did get singing lessons I was living in LA Los Angeles and I went to um the community college where they had this really cool applied music program. I was still working as a newspaper copy editor, but I was doing that in my free time. Um, and kind of had the choice at that point, like when I was 30, 31, kind of had to make a decision if I wanted to be a professional singer or not. Mm -hmm. My teacher really wanted me to go that route. And I realized just my temperament and that's where I was in my life. It just wasn't going to do that. And to be honest, ever since then, I decided that with my singing, at least, I don't want to be paid to do that. Like, I'll, you can pay me to write. Like, yeah. I will, you know, that's my craft, like, or whatever. But as far as, like, where my soul is and, and you know, my spirit and the real direct link to me as a creative person, this definitely through music. Mm-hmm. So um, also in the meantime, um, I uh, got my master's degree in uh, marriage and family therapy, and I've been a licensed uh, marriage and family therapist here in San Diego since 2017. Um, if you're, if your listeners are familiar, and it's okay if you're not, because we don't have to to go into it. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. But I'm certified in a type of therapy called EMDR or eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And I'm also trained uh, in brain spotting, which came from from EMDR. So just I'm really interested in therapy that doesn't just deal with the the mind, the brain, and really taps into what's going on with your body, pays attention to that. Mm-hmm. Because I think that a lot of our emotions, as long as well as inspiration and lots of other things, you know, are in the body. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, and I'm still singing. Uh, just recently uh, passed an audition for the San Diego Master Chorale. So I'll be starting up with them in the fall. Um, or I guess when this is is uh, is out, I will have been with them uh, for a little while. And very excited about that. And I think it's important, especially as somebody who works primarily with creative people, for me to be doing my own creative work at the same time. It's important for me to do that. So that's me in a nutshell. That's fantastic. And and I have to, I agree with you 100%. Like I'm, I'm sitting here like bouncing on my seat. Like, mm-hmm. yes, the, uh, the whole, the mind and body connection that sometimes we kind of lose sight of because we're so focused on behaviors and we're so focused on, um, you know, just all of the big words that have to do with our mental health that we sometimes forget that, you know, the whole body and mind and soul and spirit, like it's all connected. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like, I'm all about a holistic approach when it comes to, right. to counseling and therapy. <laughs> yeah. Um, music is also a huge deal for me. Like I've been a musician since I was, oh gosh, oh, wow. I started, I did piano, but that's not, it wasn't for me. I didn't love it. I never had a great teacher, but, uh, but music has always been an outlet for me as well. I picked it up and like, sixth grade I guess and I'm still playing and 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 loving music so I'm glad to know we've got that connection that's pretty cool too um so how did you move from journalism to therapy what got you into the world of therapy so at that time it was like uh 2010 and um the newspaper uh industry was melting down um Mm. and is still melting 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 Mm. um and also, I had just recently gotten married the year before, and my work schedule was like swing shift, like 3 p.m. to midnight, um, also holidays and weekends oftentimes, So, which honestly worked out 
pretty well for me. Um, <laughs> maybe other creative people who are listening uh, also are night owls. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, it seems pretty common. And um, but, you know, my husband had a, a regular uh, schedule and he said, you know, I thought I could do it, but I can't really do it, you know, and and things like I said, things were changing in the industry and at my newspaper in, in particular. And it just seemed like time to uh, make that switch. And and therapy was something that I had been in the back of my mind. Um, my very first therapist in my 20s, I remember him telling me like, how did you not get into this field? <laughs> but And I'm really glad I waited. Let me just say that much. Because <laughs> I needed to do some growing up in, in my own work. So um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not really that exciting of a story, but just, you know, just time to make a change. And I feel really glad and grateful that both of my main careers I've loved so much and are so fun and creative and all, all of that so it's been great and that that's rare to be able to say yeah, you know I have loved I loved everything that I've ever done with my life you know that's not many people well not I've had some bad jobs I mean sure 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 <laughs> but as, like I said as far as my main careers the yes. main ones <laughs> yeah the, the main focus yes absolutely so you know going back and thinking about the the mind body soul and that kind of thing um and, and just sometimes what happens with creatives, we find ourselves with these emotional blocks. Okay. So we're about to jump into the deep end here because our creative blocks can sometimes be rooted in these deeper emotional issues. Like how do you identify when a creative block is a symptom of a larger emotional challenge? And how do you, you know, how do you work through those kinds of things? It's a great question. I don't think I've ever heard that question quite that way. And I like it. Um, the first thing that popped in my mind was if it seems confusing, mm. right? If you're not sure why you're having this reaction, you know, I mean, because it makes sense. For example, it makes sense to be nervous for an audition, right? I wouldn't call that like an emotional block, right? Mm. I, uh, sure. Every, everybody's going to feel that way um, probably. And, you know, to one degree or the other. Um, and yet if there's something that seems like relatively innocuous, like, um, you know, just like, Oh, I think I want to, I mean, even like write a letter to the editor or something. Do you know what I mean? Like something that's kind of lower stakes and you feel really freaked out about it or um, you notice this reaction that seems above and beyond um, what you might experience normally. That, then I would get curious. Like, if somebody came to me in the therapy room, I would get really yeah. curious about that. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I know like for, for me, you know, I wrote, my first book was just kind of a fluke. It was kind of one of those things that I woke up one morning and said, I had a dream. I want to know how it ended. So I just, I decided I was going to write it. And so that's what I did. And I had no problems being like, yeah, I wrote a book. And then the second one comes along and I'm <laughs> like, oh shoot, can I live up to the same expectations, you know, that everyone mm -hmm. raved about the first one. And when I say everybody, I mean like, you know, my mom, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I know, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, but the yeah. people, it was such positive feedback. I'm like, can I still live up to that? And um, like, I literally had a point at which I just shut down. Like there were no words. Words were just foreign to me, like speaking words, writing words. I was just like, I got nothing. Don't talk to me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so, and I, I found that to be more of a, uh, a fear like I had kind of built up inside of myself some anxiety that I had built up inside of myself and um, I had to work through with the several other um, really wonderful advice giving friends they were just like you know how to write words you know you clearly this is not the first time you've ever written words and so you have to process those emotions differently sometimes and, and sometimes you need somebody to kick you in the pants and be like Jennifer come on <laughs> mm -hmm. it, helps. Yeah. Yeah. it does it does <laughs> 
Yeah, and I and I think that you know, uh, the way that I work, I I really conceive of all of us as having these different parts, right? Like, there's the part of you that's like, I can write, of course I can write, like, which probably sounds like a, an older, more adult, you know, part. And then there are younger parts that mm -hmm. it's scary to expose yourself and be vulnerable through art, through creativity, right? And um, again, that's very reasonable. And it's different when you feel like those younger parts are driving, though, you know, mm. you may not even realize it. Usually we don't realize what's happening. Like I said, it just feels confusing. You know, yep. well, what might be happening is that those younger parts are like, yeah, no, you know, <laughs> they're like, yeah, yeah, we're not doing that. We're going to say protect, stay protected and mm -hmm. safe. And um, which, you know, it's really kind of sweet, right? It's really sweet of those parts. And yet they're kids and they don't know that there's an adult in charge. They don't know that actually this whole, everybody in this body um, has a lot more resources, um, a lot less, um, you know, worry about survival, for example, like when you're a kid um, and, and and we'll probably be okay if we publish this book, right? Um, and so it's really kind of, I, I work to facilitate like a dialogue. I mean, anybody can do this, you know, write down what the kid's saying, write down what the mm -hmm. adult's saying, right? Anybody can do this with themselves, you know, journaling or whatever, mm -hmm. or talking to somebody, you know, and really kind of get a dialogue going between those parts of you so that you can reassure the younger part that everything's going to be okay. So that the younger part doesn't have to interfere with this adult business, right? <laughs> Yes, at this point, it's better to be seen and not heard, if you don't mind. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Exactly. I always say, whenever we work with these parts, I say like, okay, what does this part like to do for fun? You know, maybe it's like a three-year-old part. Like, I don't know, go out and play and find lizards and stuff. I'm like, great, we can send that part off to play. Yeah. <laughs> and it can come back if it needs us, but, you know, just go have fun. Don't worry about, you know, don't worry about it. And I know it sounds like you you get this concept pretty pretty easily. It's, you know, something that's harder for 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 some folks than others and it's even hard for me sometimes to like think of myself oh, yeah. in that way but yeah no that's a great analogy I love the idea and and journaling is something that um I, I do marriage and family counseling not a therapist I didn't I didn't go to quite that many hours of internship and training but um with my with my marriage and family counseling clients I'm always like journal it because when you go back and read it you're seeing it. It's like almost your subconscious has taken over the writing part of it and has written things and you go back and read it and you're like, oh, wow, I can't believe I felt or thought that way. Like it's just right. a totally different perspective. So putting it in writing sometimes, yes, absolutely. And I think, um, I know for me, I, I self-edit so badly that even journaling, sometimes I'm like, you just have to take that filter off and run with it. Cause um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, and as long as you feel safe to do so, right. You know, yeah. nobody's going to find it who doesn't need to, and then things mm -hmm. like that. Um, yeah, no, it can be really helpful. Just allow all those aspects of yourself to have a voice because that's really what they want. They just want to be heard. That's right. That's right. Um, so thinking about hurdles that artists face and that kind of thing, um, how do you, how do you help an artist navigate the just societal expectations, not even our self-expectations, but how do we, how do we help others navigate the pressures that come from outside? I'm I'm wondering if you're thinking of something, anything in particular, you know, like, what do you notice? Yeah. Um, you know, the external, pre I, so one of the things that I've seen a lot in, um, the author world, now granted, you know, I've only been here for, two, two and a half years. It hasn't been that long that I've seen it, but just observing from the outside, 
Um, I'm watching authors struggle with trying to, especially self-published authors. That's that's the world that I'm coming from. Um, trying to to find how do I live up to the same standards that traditional publishers have? How do I find myself? Um, you know, I guess it's really a lot of comparison game, right? Like the the pressures to to fit this certain mold. Where that's mm-hmm. why I became a self-published author is because I didn't want to fit into that mold. But then there's the pressures to live up to those standards. That's so interesting because that's what I was thinking too. I was like, why? I would ask like, yeah, why do you want want to? Like, why do you have to yes. fit into the mold, right? Like what's important <laughs> about that, right? So I, I'm thinking actually too, like, especially for writers, I don't know why, you know, writers, it's like they get the brunt of this. So what have you written? So what, where can I read what you've written? What are you working on? What are you blah, blah, blah. And that type of pressure is kind of what I'm sensing, like hearing mm. you talk about, or like who published, you know, there's not so much of like who published you. That's probably like among, among writers, but, but like, yeah, like, like, yeah. Where have you been published? Like I, you know, I had an experience recently in the past few years or whatever, where I wrote a blog post that um, kind of went viral, like it had, you know, thousands of views, which for me, it was a big deal. And I felt really proud of it. Like, it's one of the best things I've ever written. And it's so solid. I go back to it year after year and look mm. at it. And I'm like, yeah, still holds up. Like, I'm just really proud of this. And I don't write yeah. a lot. But when I do, you know, um, it's kind of a, a big deal for me. And I remember telling a friend, you know, she was asking about my writing and I was like, yeah, I had this blog post and it just, you know, kind of went viral. And she's like, oh, well, what, are you writing for anybody else? Are you writing for anybody, you know, other people? And I'm like, I was like, well, I think that actually that's kind of a big deal that like nobody was promoting me. <laughs> right. Yes. And yeah. And, and I was able to just the sheer my sure words alone, you know, um, yeah, I, and I, I guess I don't feel the need so much to have that validation from like the outside uh, world. I don't think I do anyway. Um, yeah. And, and you know, who knows? But <laughs> not today. But yeah, I, well, that's what. Well, that's what I would be curious about too. Honestly, is like, okay, mm-hmm. what would that give you? Right. Mm-hmm. I would ask the person, like, okay, you feel like you need to live up to these standards of, you know, uh, the publishing houses or whatever. What would that give to you? What What is it that you need? And maybe somebody does need to feel like they're part of the establishment and that's important to them. I'd be like, all right, great. That's a great place to start. Let's see how we can do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, or let's see, you know, how I can support you, support you to find the resources to be able to make that happen. If it's something else, like if it's more of like an insecurity, then that's something we would look at it in a different way, if that makes sense, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I think social media is one of the driving forces to this whole comparison game anyway. You know, there you look at this one person who, you know, maybe they do have a whole team working for them, but you don't see it, you know, and you see them take off into the stratosphere right. and you start thinking, I'm supposed to be doing that. How am I supposed to do that? I don't know how to do that. Um, therefore, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be a success. And so, you know, we we sometimes do kind of make these up in our head that, maybe these expectations aren't really there. Um, I don't know, maybe that's just me. <laughs> well, if you said that word success too, and that would be another question I was I would ask, mm. okay, what does that mean to you? Mm-hmm. To give you an example with my own podcast, um, you know, it doesn't have a ton of listeners. Um, so I guess in that way, it's not successful. On the other hand, like, I wonder why am I doing it? I'm like, oh, I do it because it's fun. And mm-hmm. I do it because I'm building this like amazing community. I know before we were recording, we talked about this, the importance of, you know, this idea of communities and like in that way, it's been an incredible success. 
And so, and, and what would it give me if I had more listeners? Like, I don't know. Would it give me that? Not necessarily, mm. you know? Um, it would just give me some more numbers that would make part of my ego feel good, I guess, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think a lot of times that's that's what we're looking for is that little that little tap on the part of the brain that makes you go, ooh, look at me, you know, I'm special. I, I'm, I'm standing out for a minute. But one, what's your definition of success? And two, how long is that minute gonna last? Yes, and you know what comes to my mind is this phrase that I love, which is um, hedonistic adaptation, which is kind of a mouthful. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's like, yeah, once we once we reach a certain level, we're just going to be looking for the next level, right? Yes. We yes. adapt. We adapt oh our expectations. Gosh. Yeah, yeah, and that is so. It's so tricky. Also, like whose expectations matter the most? You know, for me, I literally had a conversation with my husband. I think it was earlier this week. It might have been last week, but we were talking about because I had made the comment. I said, you know, hey, I'd really love to monetize my YouTube channel, and he was like okay, so let me do some research. And he came back and he was like, yeah, you need like 10,000 followers. And I was like, that's funny um, and not possible, you know? And right, so right. it was kind of one of those comparison games that ha that happened in my head immediately. I was like, why am I even doing this then? But like you, it's because I have created this network of people that I can now say, hey, you need to talk to somebody. Let me give you somebody's name or, hey, you need a yeah. lawyer. I've got somebody, you know, the, it's a network of support and community. Mm -hmm. And I don't mm -hmm. think I would, look back and say that any of my work was not worthwhile right or that you know yeah or yeah that it wasn't worth it like of course it is and I, I love what you said about I'm I'm also known as like a connector in my in my sphere as well <laughs> right and I love that I love having that role of like you know even right before we came on I was talking to my office mates and and we were helping each other you know find resources and have connections and it's so important you know so it is because this whole little creative journey can get kind of lonely if you're not careful. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so what is one of your favorite stories of breakthrough when working with creatives? Like, do you have one that just pops into your head and goes, this was amazing? Wow. Um, I can tell you one about my own life. Would do that be it. all right? Okay. Yes. So when I was, um, I mentioned uh, in my early thirties, when I was like 30, um, I was going to the community college uh, program, the applied music program, and learning how to sing, essentially. And, you know, the first time I ever got on the stage for my group voice class, my hands were shaking so much and I could not stop them. Like, not, nothing would stop them. But there was nothing I could do. And I sang one little song and sat down. Well, after I did some... Um, private lessons and all you know continued did, was in choir was in the, the group uh class too um I worked really 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 hard on this one aria from Samson and Delilah and uh it's in French it's um um uh it's very cool <laughs> it fit my voice really well too so it was great and we were required to practice in the practice rooms there on campus nine hours a week right and so which which worked out really well for me it was good to have that outside motivator um so i had to be there um doing that uh every week and i worked really really hard on this one song and so then um i was in my 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 lesson toward the end of the semester I was in my lesson with my teacher. She's at the piano, you know, accompanying me. And I, and I sing through my aria. And at the end, she's crying. I'm crying. And she looks at me and she says, you could sing that on any stage in the world. And I looked at her and I said, I know. 
this is true and you know what I realized in that moment like I didn't have to I didn't I didn't want to that's all I needed I was like okay great oh <laughs> Ooh, I got chills on that one <laughs> like, I, just, I love that oh my gosh yeah, <laughs> yeah and I just like kind of a- Right. And who knew that, like, I didn't need, like, you know, a crowd of adoring, you know, applauding people. Like, I'd realized I don't need that for myself. It probably wouldn't really matter as much to me as just being, knowing that I worked so hard, you know, Mm -hmm. and that I did fulfill my my potential. That's been, um, that's been a really important thing for me in my life is like, okay, what is my potential? And I'm totally fine with, like, finding my limits, right? Like, I want to know. (laughs) You know, like in my career, my first career, um, I had a phone interview with the New York Times and like that was as high as I got because I didn't want to be there and they didn't want me there. So it was like mutual. (laughs) It's like I belong on the West Coast, clearly, (laughs) after that chat. Um, (laughs) And uh, so that was great. So I knew like, I'm like, okay, I've gone as far as I can go. Good to know. Good to know, you know. And I kind of felt that way uh, with this, even though I still enjoy singing and I enjoy challenging myself. Um, it was just really nice to know, like, okay, I've probably reached the the top for me, and you know, that's great. That's fantastic, and just to have that, I don't know, just that insight to yourself that I know, like that. That's yeah. what hit yeah. me was that I know, because you know, we're always searching for the, you know, what can I do better? How can I do better? And it's like, no, this is my best. Like, this how many best, of us yeah. have ever? It's so hard to to yeah. ever say that, you know, because. And I think it goes back to, we compare ourselves to, well, their best looks very different from my best. And we think we have to find what they're doing when it's like, that's not what you were built for. You know, that'd be like putting me on a running track. You're going to put me out there and want to see my best. Trust me. My first lap will be my best. And the only, you know what I mean? (laughs) The only, (laughs) that's it. It's all you get. Yeah. Well, and and, and funny enough, you know, after that experience, I did sing it uh, again for juries. So that's where you you sit in front of a panel, uh, you sing in front of a panel, and there's like people in the audience. And I didn't do as well, you know. And so maybe for me, like, and I was kind of fine with that too, you know, because I was like, maybe for me, it was that moment, like to have that moment in life was enough, you know. And if I wanted to, I knew I could pursue it more. And I didn't want to for for various reasons that I talked about before a little bit. Um, so yeah. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. So shifting gears just a little bit, uh, when I was doing my research, as I like to call another day in the office, um, I was reading about your emphasis on sensitivity and how it's kind of a driving force for creativity. And it just kind Mm -hmm. of intrigued me um, because I know that I can be sensitive about my own art and it can vary on the spectrum from day to day how sensitive I am and how much sensitivity I put into my art. So like talk more about that, like elaborate on how individuals can transform their relationship with their own sensitivity and and from a source of vulnerability and that kind of thing and turn it into like a source of strength sure well I think it sounds like you're referencing um the blog post I wrote about talking with uh, Gabber Mate who um is pretty big in the therapy world um I think he recently talked to Prince Harry so that's like a big deal anyway (laughs) I had the opportunity just sort of randomly uh to to talk to him and ask him questions and um I asked him I said I said, you know, this was several years ago, you know, I said, for me and for many of my clients, we think that our creativity, our creative expression comes from our trauma, perhaps, you know, Mm. we think that because we had a tough childhood now, you know, now we're this like real deep poet or whatever, songwriter, you know, whatever it is. And he immediately was like, no, 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 you're wrong. I was like, great. Tell me the answer. Right. Like, I want to (laughs) know. 
And uh, that's what he said. He said, no, your creativity does not come from your trauma. It comes from your sensitivity, you know? And he said, and, and that's inborn, according to him. It's not your trauma, it's inborn. It's like you have, you know, green eyes or, or, or you know, brown hair or whatever. Like you are more sensitive than other people. And, and that's where it comes from. And you're right. I think I intuited from what you were saying that there was, it's kind of a double-edged sword, mm -hmm. you know, on the one hand, like for me personally, like I can be like, for example, extremely moved by a piece of music. Like um, I, <laughs> there was a time in my life, not so recently when I just had to like, for example, stop listening to Radiohead because it was messing me up. <laughs> Too sensitive too intense okay we need to just back off from that for a moment um and uh, you know the sensitivity can also be it sounds like i was kind of hearing you say like sensitivity to criticism too uh mm. was that kind of what you were implying i don't know yeah there's kind of you know it kind of comes from both places mm. both places from from your it, it's it's an inspiration but you're also affected by it right like it yeah. can it can come on both sides like you said a double yeah sword. exactly it can yeah yeah a double -edged sword yeah two sides of the same coin yeah on the one hand it helps I think it helps us be more attuned to um the world and uh you know certain things about it that other people may not see right I think that's part of what can make people who consider ourselves creative I think that's part of what can make us different is that we see hear feel things differently from let's say the you know vast majority of mm -hmm. other people that also can be isolating mm -hmm. as you mentioned before right it can be lonely being a creative person and and that's the other side of it and that's why I think community is so important to get come back to that as well you know knowing we're not alone and knowing that um you know it's okay to be sensitive and that's where our strength comes from that's where our specific view and expression comes from that's a beautiful thing mm -hmm. yeah but it does require some vulnerability like you have to be willing to open up you know and say hey yeah I am a sensitive person but if you're going to share that with somebody who sometimes that requires a little splitting open of the chest and a little pouring out and that's <laughs> that's not always easy either well and it should be really I think that as individuals we should take that very seriously and mm -hmm. be very discerning as well for example in the book uh the artist way which is a workshop that i you know facilitate um uh this book the artist way by julia cameron she says like don't show your early work to people that's like child creative child abuse is what she calls it it's not you know if something's not yeah if something's not ready to be exposed to the world like keep it safe um and mm. so yeah i think that's why uh it is important that um, we really consider how, when, where we want to share these things, not to the point, this is the catch 22, right? Because it's like, not to the point of blocking ourselves. Oh, yep. But, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, you think the ones closest to you are the ones that you can trust the most even. And sometimes you get a little more pushback from them because they think, well, I'm just going to be honest with them because I want what's best for them. And so then you've got that, I don't want to say trauma, but at the same time, it can be a little oh. traumatic and you're like, oh, yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> it is. It is trauma. And, yeah. and you're just like, I think I should shut down. I don't think if, if these people closest mm -hmm. to me aren't going to accept and embrace, then, you know, why would I go to somebody I don't know as well or who I'm not as close to? So yeah, ah. they might, they might kick me out of the group. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's a very primal response and it may not be rational and yet it's enough to block us sometimes, you know? 
Mm -hmm. It really is. Um, so do you encourage collaborations, thinking about community and that kind of thing and, and, and finding these people that you can trust? Do you encourage artists to collaborate or do you think it's um, safer not to collaborate or? That's funny. <laughs> uh, it's funny you mentioned that because um, I had somebody tell me recently, um, like for me in particular, she says, you need to be, have creative control over your process. <laughs> Yeah, that's not to say that I don't bring people in. I mean, my podcast is like yours, you know, I interview people like that's what I do. And so I'm collaborating in that way. As far as the decision making part, though, uh, when it comes to how it's going to be presented, that's that's all on me, um, which works for me. Um, for other people, it might be different. You know, for other people, um, they may need a different thing. Now, I will say as far as like my singing goes to go back to that, like I love being in a group when I'm singing, like I love singing with other people. That's that kind of collaboration is very important to me. And like during the pandemic, I didn't really sing much because I didn't want to do it alone. It wasn't it didn't really mean much of anything. I was even I was doing private lessons. But even then, it's like, what's the point? Mm. You know, I don't. It, yeah. So so it depends on what you're doing and um, um yeah, kind of like what your expectations are, what your goals are, I think. I don't know. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, some people, they they say that, you know, collaboration is the way to go. And and I'm, I'm like you, though. You know, to me, I will gladly, you know, encourage and walk alongside. And, and you're welcome to walk next to me, too. But when it comes to my art, there's a good chance that you can give me feedback, but I'm going to make the final choice and decision on most of it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, which I think, you know, is important. Like there needs to be somebody leading, right? There needs to be a leader with a project, any kind of project. And that leader needs to take the responsibility of uh, making the choices. So I think that's that's fine. Yeah, it's <laughs> funny. Before we got on today, I was talking to some colleagues and we were talking about being on, on boards, like nonprofit, you know, mm -hmm. boards for therapists and other things. And I, both my friend and I were like, yeah, we don't really work very well on boards. It's like, we do not do like decisions by consensus or however you call that it's like nah because <laughs> I don't know it's like I feel too passionately about some things you know it's like I I I I want to do them a certain way and I I admire people who can do that type of thing but it's not me <laughs> it's not me either <laughs> you're not alone <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh my gosh. So tell us about the uh, support, the, the support group for creatives, the Artist Way workshop that you have and that you host. Sure. Yeah. So the Artist Way workshop um, usually run it once a year um, online and we go for 12 weeks, usually on Friday mornings, specific time anyway, mornings. And um, yeah, what we do is we go through each chapter of the book, uh, The Artist Way. And um, really, you know, it's funny because it's yeah it's about art it's about creativity and as she says in the book like if you want to work on your art work on your life you know we were talking about holistic things earlier I mean that's it's all connected mm -hmm. and so a lot of the book and a lot of what we do is just really talk about like um, some of the myths you know we about artists and creatives you know you're talking about those expectations from people outside of you know the one thing <laughs> to kind of go back to that a little bit the one thing I try to remind myself is like, oftentimes the loudest critics are the people who actually aren't doing the work. You know, somebody might be super critical about your book. Are they writing a book? Do they know mm -hmm. what it takes? Probably not. You know, 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> the accurate. So, yeah. So I try, I try to remind myself of that because I know that if they did do it, then they would know. And then they would have maybe some more constructive feedback for me. Um, but if, if they've never done it, like, I don't know how serious I would take like some of that outside feedback. Yeah. Yes. No, that's, that is fantastic. I never really thought about it. I mean, like I live that way. Like that's, I just never really put it into words that, um, because it, I have found a deeper empathy and and such when it comes to working with other authors and talking to other authors, because, you know, I can think of several creatives, uh, mostly authors who have told me, you know, they've been working on the same piece of art for years, if not a decade, and, and they have this fear of not being good enough, and um, they still just haven't shared it with anyone. And I think, you know, I, on the one hand, I get it. Like, I get it because you want it to be so good. You want it to be so, you know, just ready to be accepted by everybody. But at the same time, I'm going 10 years is a long time to be holding on to something. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's, I think, um, I think having a workshop where they could, they can talk about these things. I think that's a fantastic idea. Yeah, it's, it's really, and the cool thing is like, you know, the very first uh, meeting is always my least favorite because nobody knows anybody and it's all kind of awkward and I'm kind of awkward etc cetera, etc cetera. and I and I always just can't wait until it's a 12-week workshop and I always can't wait until like week nine because that's when like the group like really gels and and they and people really feel connected to one another and it's just such a beautiful experience it's like my favorite thing to do in the world really is to run these workshops and watch that magic happen um it's only <laughs> There's only one time when it didn't really happen, but <laughs> I've run. There's always an exception. <laughs> There's always an exception. Yeah. But I've done this, you know, for many years um, and seen it over and over again. And it's really a beautiful thing. Um, and so, yeah. That's awesome. Um, what else do you want to talk about? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> What's popping into your head? I'm asking I don't know. It's your turn. <laughs> <laughs> I know. In my podcast, I call it, I say like the, I call it the final question. And I always say like, I'm trying to find a more creative uh, title for it, but really like, you know, what my final question is, what, was there anything else that you want to share with our listeners? Um, I don't know. I guess what pops in my head, honestly, is just like to say that you're not alone to tell your mm. listeners that you're you know, you're not alone. And if you're looking for a therapy, like find somebody who at least is interested in understanding why creativity and art making are important to you. Because I, in my experience, a lot of therapists don't understand that. And they think it's like a hobby or, and maybe it is a hobby for you. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but like uh, sometimes life, you know, art feels like life or death to some of us. And that needs to be acknowledged and validated because that's part of that's our sensitivity right that's 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 part of who we are and it's it's very important so i would say just find somebody who at least you know lines up with you in that way they don't have to be artists themselves um at all um but i think that's important that at least they can have some understanding or interest in understanding why it's important to you oh yeah i mean and it's just like you would if, if you were someone who struggles with ADHD or someone who struggles with depression or someone with anxiety, you know, you want to, you want a therapist or a counselor who's going to be able to relate to that and, and to, Mm -hmm. to meet you where you are. The same is true for, if you're a creative, it's no different. Not that, you know, being a creative is a mental health risk of sorts, but you know, we have, we have a very different way of processing the world of seeing the world. And and like you said, our sensitivities are very different. And so you definitely need somebody who can speak to that side of you um, and understand it and not think you're just eccentric 
because that's not <laughs> always the case. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that would be so dismissive or, or you know, yeah. just, yeah, just, just not getting it, you know, mm-hmm. um, it can be, it can be hard. So, so as a therapist, like I, I want to be the type of therapist that I would want to go to, you know, yes. <laughs> that's my goal. Yeah. That's fantastic. And, and I think that, um, I would definitely be calling you if I lived a lot closer, but I think Alabama <laughs> might be kind of a commute. <laughs> <laughs> That's very sweet. Well, well, yeah, thank you. And, 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 and that is something important actually uh, to know that, um, yeah, I, so I'm licensed in California and Montana, interestingly enough, so not Alabama, but uh, yeah, we do, there are pretty strict rules in the U.S. Um, about who can see therapists, even though we do a lot of what we call telehealth, you know, video mm-hmm. therapy. Um, yeah, you have to find somebody who's licensed where you physically are located. <laughs> That's how yeah. it is for, for California anyway. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's a little frustrating, honestly, but, um, and, and that may be changing, but we'll see. Tell us how listeners can connect with you and your work. You bet. Um, so you can find me at my website, which is rachelmorecounseling.com. And I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. Um, just look up Rachel Moore LMFT um, and you should be able to find me there. Um, yeah, and um, I'm I'm currently as we're recording, I'm switching the way I do things. So I'm hoping I'll still have an option for people to uh, go to my website. And if they want to chat with me for like 15 minutes, they can they can schedule a time. And, you know, I like helping people find therapists. So even in other um, states, you know, I've, I've, I can ask around and see um, if people can help you. So um, yeah, schedule a time to chat if you like, or, you know, drop me an email and um, yeah. And oh, and the Artist Way group, um, there's a link or excuse me, a page on my website about the Artist Way workshop. Um, and you can check that out. Anybody can can attend that because I don't run it as a therapy group. I run it as, as a support group. Um, it's not therapy, I'm very clear about that. Um, and um, so anybody from the world uh, can attend and we've had people from all around the world uh, attend, which is really fun. And that registration is always open or it opens at a specific time? Yeah, usually opens in January uh, every year. So it should be open then. Perfect. Fantastic. Well, Rachel, thank you for hanging out and being part of this conversation. I know that anybody listening could walk away with something encouraging or educational and um, hopefully some resources that they can plug into at some point when they need them. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I, by the way, I was going to say too about the artist way, I do have a newsletter so you can go to Um, yeah, as so you can go to the um, the Artist Way page and sign up for the newsletter and get announcements um, when when it's starting. But um, yeah, thank you so much for for this conversation. I love talking about this stuff, and it was so wonderful to find you and um, and get hooked up. Like right when I saw your your podcast and what you do, I thought, yeah, I gotta reach out to her. So thank you so much for having me on. Oh yeah, no, it was the perfect connection, and all of, all of the information about how to con- contact you and get on your newsletter and all of that jazz. It's going to be in the show notes. So you know, as you're listening, if you want to go poke around and click on those links, then by all means, because I know that she's going going to have exactly what you need if you've heard this and been like I need to talk to somebody she's either the one to talk to or she will find you somebody is what I heard yes I will help yes (laughs) yeah I'm pretty busy but I will help you find somebody yeah that's awesome I appreciate that thank you so much thank you I really appreciate it too